Welcome to Leading Lights. You are about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. We've been talking about the three parts of a human being, the body, the soul, and the spirit. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but the way you categorize something helps you to either understand it better or to misunderstand it. Sometimes when we put categories on things, it helps us in our minds to understand the different parts of a thing and to see it more clearly. On the other hand, sometimes we put the wrong categories or we try to impose categories that are not really real. And how do we know what are the right categories and what is the proper way to look at a human being? It has to come from God's word. Have you ever looked at a satellite map I think on, on the maps, apps on your phone or whatever, it, it shows a satellite or a terrain map. And then you put an overlay of the cities and the streets and all the different categories and, and guidelines. And suddenly that map becomes clearer and more helpful. When you're just looking at a satellite, because you don't have the different distinctions, you don't understand it as well as you could. And it's not so helpful. Friends, we as human beings are built to put things in categories and to understand and to explain things. It's the way God has made us. But growing up in this world, it is possible for us to put the wrong categories, the wrong filter, if you like. We're looking with the wrong spectacles and the wrong ways of understanding. And so we need to look at God's word. And we said last week that there are three main categories given for the parts of a human being. There is the body, your out, outward flesh. Some people have said that it's your earth suit because you exist within your body. You are not your body, but it's the way you survive on planet earth. You are carried around in a machine or an earth suit called your body. And another way of understanding your body is to say that it is the way you are conscious of the world around you. Then there is your soul in the middle of you, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality. And that is how you are conscious of yourself. You know how you feel based on your soul. And then there is your spirit on the very, very center of you, the real you, the, the you that is going to live forever in eternity, the you that God put in you. Um, when he created you, but which was separated from God and needs to be made alive again, the spirit. And that is how you are conscious of God. So your body is how you are conscious of the world. Your soul is how you are conscious of yourself. Your spirit is how you are conscious of God. And those are the three main categories in the Bible. And we see it all the way through. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says, God formed the man out of the dust. That's his body. And it says he breathed. That means God put his spirit into him and he became a living being or a living soul. And so we see that God made us in these parts right from the start. But we saw last week that there are also other terms used in the Bible. So, for example, heart in the Bible refers to all that is within us, our inward being, our emotions, our thinking, our spirit, all of the inward me. Then we saw another distinction used in the Bible called the inward man and the outward man. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 
My outward man may be perishing from all the stresses of this world, but my inward man is being strengthened or renewed day by day. There's the outward man and the inward man. Why am I saying all these different categories? Friends, because of this. If we look with the filters, the categories, the, the understanding and explanation that God gives us of ourselves, of the world around us, and of other people, we will get the right answers. We will see things correctly. And the Bible says, you have a body, you have a soul, you are a spirit on the very inside of you. The spirit is what is really important and which will last forever. But often we get all confused and we think of ourselves as our body or maybe our personality. And we may look at things or, or put it this way, we may ask the wrong questions and so we will never get the right answers. But if we say, God, help me understand my body. What is the role of this body? What does it do? What is it like? How does it function? What about my soul? What is the purpose and the role of that? How does that function? What about my spirit? How does that all work? If we ask God the right questions, we will get the right answers. And we're going to see today that the right answers are absolutely essential, especially if you want to know God and serve God and please Him. You need to understand what He says about your body, soul, and spirit. So we said that there are these other categories given, which are really just helpful explanations that, that help to understand body, soul, and spirit a little bit more. We said there's the outward man, the inward man. There's the heart and the outward appearance. Uh, when Samuel chose David to be king, God said, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And so we see outward and inward is another explanation. Another way of saying that is body versus soul and spirit. That's a, that's a categorization into two different categories. We also spoke last week about the old man and the new man. Before you became a Christian, you were separated into the old man and the new man comes after you become a Christian. The old man means that your body and your soul are dominating, but your spirit is dead. The new man is the spirit, which the Bible says is created again, a brand new creation by God and like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's the old man and the new man. Is that different to body, soul, spirit? No, it's not. It's just saying the spirit is alive in the new man and the new man is really the spirit. Whereas in the old man, our body and our soul were dominating. And then there's this other word flesh, which mainly refers to our body, our physical being, but it also refers to the sinfulness of that body that's been trained through years of sinning, through wrong information, and by our inheritance from our ancestors to want to sin and to move towards sin. And that's called our flesh. So all of these are filters. If you like on the Maps app, instead of just blank satellite image, we're now putting different filters, different categories on. Some of them are roads, some of them are cities, some of them are, are different descriptions and borders and, and ways of understanding the, the raw material, which is human nature. Just one more illustration. You know, old black and white photographs can be made into color photographs. I don't know if you knew that, but if you put a red filter 
and then a green filter, and then a blue filter on the black and white photo, and then you merge them together, you can get a color photo out of an old black and white photo. Friends, you may be seeing the world in monochrome, in shades of gray, in a black and white bland way. And you're saying, is there any meaning? Is there any beauty? Is there any color in this life? God says, look with my filters, with my understanding, my categories, body, soul, and spirit. And then these different aspects or, or, or parts of body, soul, and spirit. And you will start to understand. So just to clarify, you have a body, you have a soul, you are a spirit. And when you become a believer, your spirit connects again with God and it comes alive. Before you're a believer, you are the old man, which is mainly body and soul driven, conscious of the world, conscious of yourself, but not conscious of God. When you become a believer, your spirit comes alive. And then there's just one other distinction that we mentioned last week that I want to mention now. And that is the natural man and the spiritual man. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul talks about the natural man, which is the man who doesn't have the spirit, like the old man. And he says that he cannot understand the things of God because the spirit needs to help you understand. But then he says the spiritual man has the spirit of God inside and can understand. And then he says some people are spiritual men but they're not acting like spiritual men. He says they're acting like natural men and he calls them carnal Christians. Carnal simply means fleshly. And what he's saying is you can have the Holy Spirit within you. You can be born again. But if you act like everybody else and you still use your five senses and your physical being to gauge what is true and real, then you are a carnal person. And we looked a little bit at that last week. I want to look at that a little bit more this week, using a passage from Romans chapter 7 and 8, where Paul, the great apostle, is very vulnerable and he speaks about times in his life when he, as a Christian, as a spiritual man, was acting like a fleshly, natural man. And, he, and it's a carnal, it's a carnal Christian. And he uses many of the terms we've already described, but I want us to look at this passage using this filter, this understanding these categories, body, soul, spirit. He calls body, body. He calls it members. In other words, parts of his body. He calls it flesh. He calls it carnal. Those are the words that he uses to describe body. He speaks of himself as his inward man, as his mind, as he himself. He says, I myself. He speaks of his soul uh, as his mind. And then he speaks as, of the spirit as well. And then just before I get into the passage, I need to tell you, he mentions one other category. He talks about law. He says there is the law of God, which is the law of the Old Testament, the law of Moses, God's rules of what's right and wrong. He says there's a law of my mind where I try to decide using the law, the control, the power of my mind, what I want to do. He says there's a law in my body called the law of sin and death. And then he says, there's a law in my spirit called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And what he's meaning by that is that there's uh, something we're focused on as what we want to achieve in life. In my mind, I focus on myself. In my flesh, I focus on what my flesh wants. And it's been trained to sin and to believe what my five senses tell me. 
in my spirit. There's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is powerful. And then there's the Old Testament law, which he says is good. But if I'm relying on my flesh and my own mind to try and obey it, I will always fail. But if I let the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus rule me and be the thing that I'm guided by, then my whole life will be different. So body, soul, spirit. Yes, understood. Categories of a human. Old man, new man. Got it. Natural man, spiritual man. Got it. Inward man, outward man. Got it. Then he speaks about the law that I'm trying to follow. So let's read this passage and I believe you'll find it extremely helpful. He says in Romans 7 verse 5, when we were in the flesh, in other words, when we were old men, before we were Christians, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. He says that when you hear the law of God, the Old Testament rules of the Ten Commandments, etc., if you're in the flesh, rather than, than those rules helping you and giving you energy, they actually make you want to sin more. They bring condemnation. And he says that uh, they were bearing fruit to death. We become guilty. We sin more. And it's because we're relying on the members, the, the body. So when we were in the flesh, instead of being led by the Spirit, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Verse 14, for we know that the law, God's Old Testament rules, the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. He says that um, in myself, if God doesn't help me and intervene in myself, I am carnal, which basically means fleshly, which means I'm ruled by my five senses, by my passions, by my body's desires, and by my understanding, which is not helped by the Spirit. He says, I am carnal. If I try to obey the law in my own ability, I will fail because I am sold under sin. I'm, I'm born in sin and I sin throughout my life and my flesh is trained to sin. And so if I rely on my own strength and my own cleverness, I will fail. Please remember, we're trying to understand the categories God uses. And he says, You've got an outward man, an inward man. You've got a spirit. You've got a law. And the law of the Old Testament, if you're relying on your flesh, does not help you. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. So he separates himself, the real him, from his flesh. He says, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. My flesh has been trained to sin. It doesn't understand the truth properly. It leads me astray. In my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. In other words, to want to do good, I have that in me. So he's now talking about him being a Christian. He has this desire in him to do good. To will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. If I'm relying on my own flesh, I can't be good. Now, Craig, why are you going on about this? Friend, this is you and me. Paul is being vulnerable and showing what he struggled with. But you and I, if we're honest, struggle the same. And I'm going to show you that he gives us a solution. He says in verse 22, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. He says, when I read the Old Testament law, I delight in it according to the inward man. 
categories, body, soul, spirit. I delight in the law of God, but I see another law in my members, in my body. So the law of God, I read it and I delighted it according to my inward man. But then there's something, a law, a power in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. What a, what a struggle. He says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? How will I be saved? And this is the cry of people who are not yet saved, who want to serve God in their own strength, or who are saved and are carnal Christians, relying on their own willpower and their five senses to obey God. But then he says in verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So he says there is a solution and he's going to explain it. And then he summarizes. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And then he gives us the solution. Romans 8, I'm just going to read the, the key verses. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. He says, there's this greater law, this greater power, and it's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Friend, if you're trying to obey laws and rules um, and just be good in your own strength, you will fail every single time. You can try with your willpower. You can read and, and say, I'm going to be good. I'm going to be good. I'm going to do this. But he says, you need another law. You need another injection of power. An illustration of this is the law of gravity keeps an airplane on the ground. But the law of aerodynamics, when the plane is moving forward with the wings at the right tilt, the law of aerodynamics is greater than the law of gravity and the airplane takes off. Friends, the law of sin and death in your members is so strong and he says it's warring against us all the time. In Galatians, he says it's always warring against us. In 1 Peter 2, he says fleshly lusts are always warring against our soul. You're always going to have it. But he says there's a greater law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. I can overcome the law of sin and death. You can be free. You can live as a general rule. You can live free of sin. You may fall now and again, but you are gaining the victory. You are always walking in greater and greater victory and righteousness. Then he says in verse 5, he's now telling us how we do it. For those who live according to the flesh... In other words, that whole of Romans 7, where he says, I was trying to obey and I was failing. He says, those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. What he's saying is that middle part of you, the, the soul, your mind, where you think and you try to decide. If you set it on the flesh, on the five senses to see what's true and on your own willpower and strength or... Um, anything that is just physical and fleshly, religious tradition, obeying rules. He says, if you set your mind on the worldly things, it's setting your mind on the flesh. And he's going to tell us that it's death. But then he says, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. We set our mind on what God has done on the middle of us. And I'm going to show you in a moment how we do that. Verse six, he says, for to be carnally or fleshly minded is death. It just means failure after failure. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, 
but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of God, he is not his. And then he goes on to say that we can put to death the deeds of the body by allowing the Spirit within us to rule and dominate us. That's an amazing truth, friends. It is life-changing. When you understand the categories, but then you understand this power within your spirit. So how do we set our minds on the things of the spirit? I'm just going to mention three verses. John chapter 6, verse 63, Jesus said, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So the first way we set our minds on the spirit is Jesus's words, the Bible. He said, the flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives life. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. When I read God's word, I'm renewing my mind. I'm setting my mind on the things of the spirit. And so you may hear in your own voice in your head saying you're guilty, you're bad, you're a failure. You may look in your physical mirror or other people may tell you things about yourself. But when you read God's word, he says different things about you. And he's talking about your spirit. And you say, I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to set my mind on what God says is true about the world and about me. The first way we set our mind on the spirit is Jesus's words. The second way is 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18. Paul says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. He says, when we worship the Lord in spirit, he says, when we gaze at the glory of the Lord and we say, Lord, you're so beautiful. You're so great. You're so pure. You're so true. You're so righteous. You never change. You're holy and just and good and kind and merciful. When we look at the glory of the Lord and we worship it and we worship him, it says that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. The spirit changes us, changes our minds, changes even our flesh. We start to act differently and we, we see different things happening in our lives because our minds are set on the spirit. So the first way is the word of God, the words of Jesus. We focus, we set our minds on God's word. We say, Lord, whatever you say is true, is true. Not my opinions, not other people's opinions. Your word is life. It's bread to me. I need your words to sustain me. Secondly, we look at God's glory in the spirit. We worship him in spirit and he changes us from glory to glory. And then the third one is Jude, verse 19 and 20. At the end of the Bible, the book of Jude and verse 19, he's talking about men who bring division. He says, these are sensual persons or natural persons. It's the same word, people without the spirit. He says, who cause divisions not having the spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, we are building ourselves up in our most holy faith and we are keeping ourselves in the love of God. So there are three ways that we set our minds on the Spirit. Number one, God's Word. We focus on that as being true. Number two, worship. We spend time glorifying God and it changes us. 
Number three, we pray in the Holy Spirit. And that means praying in a prayer language, in another language. He speaks in 1 Corinthians 14 about praying in the Spirit as being praying in tongues. When we pray in the Spirit, pray as led by the Spirit, pray with groans and words that human language can't express, Romans 8, 26 and 7 says. When we pray in the Spirit, we're building ourselves up in our most holy faith. That's not building my body up. It's not really even building my soul and mind up. It's building my spirit up so that it takes control of me. And we're keeping ourselves in the love of God. Friends, you have a body, soul, and spirit, but you need to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. And when you do that, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is greater than the law of sin and death in your members. You may have tried to obey God through willpower, through exercising your, your fleshly strength. No, study God's Word, worship Him, pray in the Holy Spirit, and you will find this power starts to change you. It may not happen overnight, but I promise you, over weeks, months, years, you will see you change. You become different. He says that we can live righteous. The mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind set on the flesh is death. Have you been failing over and over again? Receive the forgiveness. Receive the, the acceptance of the Lord. He says you're seated in heavenly places with Him. He says you are forgiven and you are righteous and holy. And now set your mind on the things of the Spirit. When you fail, say, God, I thank you that I am seated with you in heavenly places. I thank you that I can do what you say I can do, that I have what you say I have, that I am pure and righteous, that my new man is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Friends, we would love to pray with you and help you. Look at our website, leadinglightsnetwork.com. But I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for my brother or sister who's been condemned, who just like Paul in Romans 7 has failed again and again. And I pray that you would help us all today to set our minds on the Spirit, to set our minds on the Word, which is the Spirit of life, to set our minds on worship, your worshiping your glory, which is in Spirit, and to pray in the Holy Spirit with your prayer language that you give us. Bless us and help us to let this power of the law of the Spirit of life overcome the law of sin and death in our lives. In Jesus' name, we love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.